Thank you for calling webmasterradio.fm during office hours. Please hold while we connect you to one of the most sought-after experts in SEO, analytics, and web development. We're connecting you now to office hours only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host, Vanessa Fox. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Office Hours on Webmaster Radio. I am your host, Vanessa Fox, and today with me, I have a very special guest, Miley Oye from Google. Hi, Miley. Hey, Vanessa. We are at SMX West in the Expo Hall right now, so we are pre-recording the show, so if you are in the chat room... um Hello, but we probably won't be there today. Um, uh, so I've got some questions for Miley. So, so yesterday we had a developer day set of sessions uh, where we talked all through the developer issues. And Miley spoke at the first session and did an awesome, awesome job. Really good. Um, and so a lot of people had questions um, about her talk. And so I thought we would just go through them. Um, Miley, first, I just want to talk for a couple of minutes about uh, what your talk was about and uh, kind of the your big resolution for 2009. Sure. Okay. Well, the big um, priority of my talk was just to convey how Google crawling works, especially in regard to what we prioritize to crawl. And by doing so, I was hoping that developers would understand how they could best cite architecture and, and do URL structure for their sites to make it in line with the way Google works. Uh, so some of the things I pointed out were just with dynamic URLs. So a lot of times uh, developers with dynamic URLs do these practices that we call as maverick practices. <laughs> Me- they get all mavericky on the yeah, site. <laughs> Meaning that rather than having standard name value pairs for their URLs, instead they use alternative encodings and you can see this currently on a site like eBay, where I believe W0 equals uh, question mark and double O... QQ. Oh, QQ yeah. equals an equal sign. We know this for sure because there was someone from eBay in the room and he did uh, acknowledge this is a problem they're working on. <laughs> so here's the thing, is when you use alternative encodings like this for your dynamic URLs, Google's crawler can't prioritize what is actually a relevant parameter versus what's not because we can't tell what's a parameter from what's a name or because all these encodings are so different to us. And the thing is to step back a second, right, is that people do these encodings because they actually think it's better for the crawler because they think the crawler is going to have problems with dynamic URLs. And so they're trying to take the question mark and ampersand out of URLs because they actually think it's better. But really, they're just making it worse, right? Yeah, I didn't actually know why they did it, yeah. but I thought it was just maverick behavior. <laughs> it's kind of like, I don't have any children, but if my niece doesn't take a nap, I don't know why, because she's going to be cranky later. So I say, why don't you take a nap? And then we say, she's just being a maverick. <laughs> so thank you for explaining what that was. But the idea for me was really just to convey that we're pretty good at finding patterns um, for crawling URLs when they have a name value pair. And so if you stick with you know, kind of the standard of that, then we'll have an easier time determining what's the priority to crawl on your site rather than crawling a lot of useless URLs. Right. We'll understand what's more valuable. Right. And that can be a problem, right, for instance, if uh, you have a large site and if the crawler's only going to spend so much time on your site, they may not get to all the good stuff if they're spending all their time crawling variations of a single um, URL, right? That's exactly it. So if you look at any big site that has dynamic URLs, 
um, something like an eBay, you know, there's potentially going to be, they, their site might actually have, let's say, I'm going to scale this down. Let's say they have 10,000 unique URLs. But a lot of times with, you have things that are dynamic and you have all these URL parameters being added, we could actually discover, say, 50,000 URLs. So while there's only 10,000 of pure content, there's 50,000 that we could actually find that are unique URLs, but just not of unique content. So what we do at Google is find patterns in your URL parameters so that we can try to determine what actually is going to be unique so that we crawl those 10,000 instead of trying to crawl all 50 because we won't actually get to all 50 that way. Smart, smart. So yeah, the more standard you can make that, the more we'll be able to crawl the important content quickly. So a few people had had questions um, about your talk and um, so we're just going to go through a few of them. Um, The first one is sort of probably the big thing that people are asking which is if they can rewrite their URLs to make them static because it'll make them easier for the user, is that going to hurt them? It definitely won't hurt you. I think for us, if you do, if you're, if you can actually rewrite URLs properly, it looks good for the user and it works for us as well. The thing that we were looking at is people who are actually using dynamic URLs, but just doing alternative encodings for their parameters, and that's problematic. So yes, if you're good at what you do, go ahead and do it. Yeah, and that makes sense. Some of the other examples you showed, for instance, were um, a session ID, but instead of putting it in a parameter, there was, say, an underscore at the end of a word, and then um, the session ID, and then an extension at the end, so it looked like it was just part of um, a unique name of a file. Yeah, exactly, or people, you know, what immediately will create nearly kind of an infinite crawl um, capacity for us is if you put your session ID as a directory path. Because right. then there's, it's very hard for us to tell that that's actually a session ID. And that, and that makes sense. Because um, certainly people are, have some instances where they do want to do these rewrites because they would just want to make it easier for users. And so, you know, I think there's been sort of like, what do we do? What do we do? So this is great, great information. I think it really um, clears things up for people. Um, so a couple other um, questions about these URLs. Um, one you, uh, you answered at the session, which is how does your site architecture and your URL structure affect site links? Sure. Okay, for site links to be generated, we actually need to make sure that we have access to that content, right? And then they're calculated algorithmically. So your URL structure and your, you know, any kind of category navigation or site architecture is going to matter and that we need to make sure that we can access those pages easily. But after that, actually site links are, are actually calculated not by just how you set up your tabs or your top category headings. They're actually calculated by what users are searching for and where your site appears relevant. So... Your site architecture alone will determine your site links, but if we can't, if you don't have good site architecture and we can't reach your content, you won't have site links at all. Gotcha. That makes sense. It, it kind of goes back to, um, say, the sitemap issue where it's like if you submit a sitemap, it won't help you be ranked, but it'll help you at least if, if the search engine doesn't know about those pages because you need to be um, crawled before you could possibly ever be, um, ever be ranked. And certainly there's things that you don't have control over, but you do have control over making sure your content is available for crawling. So this, it sounds like, is a similar issue there, that the one thing that you can do is make sure the content is easily accessible for site link ext- extraction. Yeah, and I think that's why I really love this session that you had, Vanessa, because I think... A lot of times for SEO, we just focus on ranking or how do I get this to look in search results. But for us, I mean, a big first step is obviously being crawled. If you're not crawled, you won't rank. Um, and or there's very few, few cases where that will happen. <laughs> <laughs> there are a few corner cases. Um, um, but overall, yes, the site architecture is the most important part in your initial SEO effort. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That's what I've seen as well. Um, so here's another um, question related to URLs, and that is, is it better to end a URL with a um, extension, or is it better to end it just as um, a folder with a slash? Should you rewrite your URLs, you know, to keep ASPX off or .php off, or, you know, does that matter from a search engine perspective? In terms of ranking, a file extension um, isn't going to matter. It can be kind of an indicator of what type of file content you have, so you can be indexed probably more quickly if you have the correct extension, where we won't have to actually filter through anything. So if you actually have a PDF but you put .html, that could cause some lag. I I would say probably fairly minor, but it's also hard for users to understand that. So I would keep your file extensions accurate first and foremost. But secondly, if you're able to rewrite in a way that loses the extension and you find that's helpful for users, that's great too because it actually hides the implementation detail from the content to the user. So again, let me repeat this. File extensions, keep them accurate. But actually, if you <laughs> um, keep them accurate. But secondly, if you're able to do rewrites and hide the implementation details, then that's fine as well. But again, you need to be able to do that correctly. Yeah. And someone brought up um, at um, at the session that actually, if you hide your extension, it may help you a little bit just in the future if you ever decide to um, change. If you're using ASP. You know, net, and later you decide to switch to PHP. You don't actually have to do any redirects if you don't have the extensions on the end. So, um, I can see that that would be um, a useful thing. But as you said, it's not going to make a difference in terms of search engine influence or search engine ranking. Correct. Um, okay, so let's ask another um, quick one. What do you think is better, absolute links or relative links within your site um, architecture? Well, this is interesting. We just actually had this discussion um, with my indexing team (laughs) recently. And from a ranking perspective, again, and a crawling perspective, we can interpret them both equally. Nothing is preferred from our side. But we have noticed that when people do relative links, they are more apt to have problems. (laughs) Um, If they change one directory folder, we'll actually start to have kind of an infinite subcategories being created or, you know, more folders being created. So... It gets back to what we've talked about, sadly, three times today, I think, which is if you do it right, relative links are absolutely fine. They're both the same. But if you're more prone to have different people working on the material or undergoes a lot of transition on your site, then stick with absolute because you're likely not to have an infinite kind of space that way. Yeah, that makes that's a, um, I think a good point because if it's absolute, you know exactly what it's linking to. Or if it's relative, you sort of infer where it's linking to, but you could get into these weird um, infinite situations. Also, um, of course, if anyone scrapes your content, um, it's nice to have the absolute links to sort of help search engines maybe figure out who is the original source of that. Oh, that's true. Or if they scrape your content and you still have that link back to your site. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that can't hurt. <laughs> At least you're getting something out of it. <laughs> Um, All right, so we're going to take a quick break, um, and when we come back, we're going to have a few more um, questions for Miley. Thanks for joining us. Go behind the scenes of Office Hours. Search for Office Hours Podcast on Facebook now. Please hold. Vanessa will be with you in a moment with more Office Hours. When it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic. With over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield, their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search, abcsearch.com. 
Are your domains locked to the max? If not, your online brand presence and your entire online business could be at risk from internet thieves. Imagine the damage that you and your company would suffer if control of your domain was lost. Protect all of your valuable domains with MaxLock from Moniker, your domain asset management specialist. With MaxLock, even if your email accounts are hacked and your passwords are stolen, your domains are protected in your Moniker account. Transfer your domains to Moniker today, powered by MaxLock, delivering maximum protection for your domains. Find out more at moniker.com slash maxlock. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. The Shoe Money Show. Ring on the bling. Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. On WebmasterRadio.fm. Trying to crank in the cash. We thank you for holding. We will now connect you for more office hours only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back, everyone, to Office Hours on Webmaster Radio. Um, I am your host, Vanessa Fox, and today I'm joined by Miley from Google. Hello. And she has been explaining lots of great information to us about URL structures and dynamic URLs. Um, So we're just going to dive right into a few more um, questions. We're here at SMX West, in case you're wondering why it's a little bit noisy in the background. Um, So here's a question that we actually, just before we started to talk here, went and uh, found Matt Cutts. Um, you know Matt Cutts. Yeah, love the guy. <laughs> um, because, you know, we were like, he should have to answer a question, right? Um, so um, this question that came in was, how much top navigation is too much? Do navigation links mean less for internal linking? And uh, so what did Matt have to say? Well, first of all, I think we all have the same thing to say to this. Is that when people ask too much, we always say, do what's best for your users. <laughs> um, but what Matt did respond to this, because I wasn't such a fan of this question, because do what's best for your users. Um, but what he did have to say is that in terms of too much top, top navigation links, yes, it can affect your overall um, linking uh, and all your, and, you know, your... Yeah your page rank within your site. Yeah. And I think it sounds like it's a similar issue too if you have a ton of links in the footer. Like if you have a hundred links in the footer, um, you know, it's just like you start to overwhelm the user with links and it appears that those are really there for search engine purposes. And those types of things are not things you want to do for search engine purposes. So I would think the header navigation could be the same. If you have breadcrumbs that have like a hundred, you know, breadcrumbs um, at your top navigation, that could be a little problematic. Yeah, and... You know, with a lot of this stuff, what worries me is the too much part. Because I think you get to too much when you're not doing things for users anymore. Yeah, exactly. Because so I, I think the rest of us understand what we want as a user experience. We, we're all users ourselves. If, whether you're a developer or an SEO, you're also on the web. Well, and exactly. And what I like to tell people, too, like they'll say, how many links should I have on my homepage? You know, what's the right amount? Should I have eight links? Should I have 15 links? And it's like, well, what are the links you need for your user? Because if you find some ideal number of links to get you ranked well, if you think that's going to be a factor um, and say, hypothetically, it were to work for you, but then you get the user, you know, so you rank number one, the searcher 
sees your site um, and clicks over to it, if that site is not built for the user experience, they're going to abandon your site. So what was the point of ranking anyway if you know you don't have information there that's good for the user? Yeah, so <laughs> Vanessa is one of those people in the industry that can see the entire thing happening from a, a thousand feet. So she's right exactly, which is that really being over-focused on just getting the ranking is, is, is what kind of makes us laugh about a lot of things. Because, again, like we said, there's so much that has to go in the crawling part and indexing properly. And then not just the ranking, but after that, the user experience on your site. So I would say look at all these, you know, there's probably five or six major factors, seven maybe. Rather than just take ranking into consideration, you know, look at all these other factors as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, let's take a look at a couple other questions. Um, um, and then we want to get to your New Year's resolution. Um, we want to make sure to get to that. Um, th here's a sitemap question. Um, is there a scenario where it's better to reduce the non-essential page's priority in a sitemap.xml versus excluding it in, in a robots file? Um, what do you think about that? I think, um, I think that if you have a page that's of low priority, there's two things you can do. One is ask yourself, is it even necessary? But if it is necessary, then I would just let it be as is. There's no need to take these extra precautions about reducing its priority. That's just for crawling purposes. That's not really in your sitemap file. There's a, uh, in a sitemap XML file, there's a field that says uh, priority. But it's actually, for us, it tells us at a crawl perspective how often to crawl or what you think is important to crawl. It doesn't actually help with ranking or anything. And robots, I think, excluding it from robots is really an extreme thing to do. Right. So again, look at your page. If it's of too low priority, just take it out and find a way to, to put it to some other page. And if it's just of low priority, let it be. It's fine. It's kind of over-optimizing, I think, at this point to think about your sitemap file or to think about roboting it out. Yeah. So you did, um, in your talk, talk about a few instances when you would robot out pages. Um, could you just talk briefly about what those were? Sure. Again, this gets back to the dynamic URLs um, where you have name-value pairs. So some sites did some really good name-value pairs, except for the fact that one of their values was an add-to-cart. And so I was saying one good thing to do is to disallow shopping carts. So if you have a URL string that can include something that just keeps adding shopping cart information, like you add detergent and then you add hairspray, again, you're kind of coming into this idea of infinite possibilities for your URLs. So if you have a shopping cart, disallow it, because as we said, Googlebot will never convert for you. <laughs> Another thing to disallow is a login page, because Googlebot's never going to log into any of these. So if you have a login page that can keep appending different session IDs and creating new URL strings, you know, reduce all that clutter for us and disallow that as well. What's great that we've noticed is people have like a ask us um, on different product pages. So you can call, you can write in to figure out about more about the product. Um, and some of these have contact us pages actually append what the product is to the URL string. So if, you're, if your contact us link doesn't go to one static page, or even if it does, um, go ahead and you can disallow that too, because there's probably no good reason why the Googlebot should crawl that and return it in search results. Absolutely. So I want to mention uh, a couple places where you're going to be speaking more about this, and then I want to ask you about Doctype. Uh, so first of all, you're going to be speaking at Google I.O., um, which is a developer um, conference that um, Google has, and that is at the end of May, I believe? Is it end or beginning? End, you're right. Yeah, it's at the end of May. So you, do you want to just uh, explain what that is briefly? Sure. 
Google I.O. is our uh, developer conference. A lot of our stuff is open source. It's 400 I think, is uh, you know for tickets, which is pretty reasonable. Um, $50 for teachers and students. And I think a lot of our goal here is to just see how we can use different Google technologies and mash it up with what you're doing and really produce cool things on the web that's collaborative. Right. And again, not all this is you know non-proprietary, so it's all pretty much open source and open standards. That sounds great. I, I think I'm going to attend. Um, and then the, uh, right after that, you're going to be speaking at another a conference. Um, why don't you tell us about that one? Um, could this be O'Reilly's Found Conference? Maybe. Okay, for sure. Um, yeah, also Vanessa and Nate um, are going to be hosting the O'Reilly Found Conference, and I'll be speaking there as well. And between Google I.O., and this conference, SMX West and uh, Riley Found, you know, our big emphasis is about making your site, designing it to be search engine friendly. And there's a lot of, you know, pretty basic ideas, but I think that the level that we're talking about is a little more advanced. Yeah. And it's definitely more developer focused as opposed to a lot of the search marketing stuff that um, the people have been accustomed to. This is sort of really trying to hit that, um, you know, the developer audience to make sure that they really understand the technical issues. Yeah. Definitely. And as Vanessa said, you know, to getting the entire conversion on your site, there's so many other aspects, right? You need to look at analytics and those types of things. And, you know, UI is going to help. But for what I'm focusing on is primarily for people that are actually developing websites. So along those lines, let's hear about how uh, you're going to improve the whole entire web. Okay. (laughs) I guess most people have resolutions, New Year's resolutions, that have to do with their own uh, state of being, such as, you know, whatever, I'm going to quit smoking. I don't smoke. So my resolution... <laughs> you had to come up with something else. Yeah, I did. I had to come up with something else. Um, my resolution is to clean up the web. Um, and again, I work so much... Big resolution. <laughs> the crawling and indexing teams at Google. And, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier with the infinite crawl spaces, there's a lot out there. There's, you know... Um, problems with different content management systems and then that becomes when that software package is deployed in different websites we see the same bugs all over the place creating all these URLs that are actually fairly useless Um, and so we try to correct it at Google again by finding patterns and then correcting that so we crawl appropriately but that doesn't work for Yahoo it's not working for Microsoft at the same time it's not working for any startup search engine that comes into the play so really we want to kind of stop the bleeding initially so let's like not even have a cut at all. So my idea is, um, is really to actually start at the beginning and have developers work to fix these bugs throughout the web yeah. so that we don't have the problem at all. Yeah. So 2009, it's coming. It's, yeah, 2009. What's coming up is um, this collaborative effort I'm going to kind of spearhead unless someone else wants to because I'm not really that attached to spearheading it. I just want it to happen. (laughs) You're not into doing the work, just making sure the work occurs. Yeah. And if it doesn't occur on its own, I am willing to do the work. But if someone else wants to work, take it. Um, (laughs) The idea is Doctype. And again, this is on code.google.com slash Doctype. What it is, it's a editable wiki and it's all open to anyone. You just have to have a Google account or Gmail account to log in. Um, And then you can just actually edit what you want to say. So other stuff we have on Doctype has to do with browser and CSS issues, like tweaks for certain browser types, things like that. But what I'm adding, what I've started to add already, is more SEO or search-friendly information. And the one I want to do this year to clean up the web is about finding content management systems or major bugs that we see on the web and listing those, finding examples, and then getting developers, whoever works on it, to actually correct it itself. 
Yes. That's great because that's a scalable solution, right? Because if you solve the CMS problem, you solve it for many sites at once. Yes, exactly. Or, I mean, they might have to reinstall certain things at certain places. But overall, cleaning up the web, certainly. I think that is a valiant resolution. I really like that. Well, thank you very much, Miley. Uh, It's been great having you on. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, This is Vanessa Fox, and this has been Office Hours on Webmaster Radio.